Welcome to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast, a journey of self-discovery and transformation. Moira Sutton and her amazing guests share real-life stories, tools, and strategies to inspire and empower you to create and live your best life. Come along on the journey and finally blast through any fears, obstacles, and challenges that have held you back in the past so you can live your life with the joy, passion, and happiness that you desire. Now, here's your host, Create the Life You Love Empowerment Life Coach, Moira Sutton. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 43, Kickstart Your Positivity for a Happier Life, with our very special guest, psychologist and author, Scott Glassman. Scott has been a speaker and workshop leader in the areas of motivation and health behavioral change for national and regional organizations, including the American Psychological Association. He is a psychologist and author of A Happier You, a seven-week program to transform negative thinking into positivity and resilience. He teaches counseling at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, where he serves as the Associate Director of the Master's Program in Mental Health Counseling. His seven-week wellness program, A Happier You, has been featured on Sirius XM, NPR, and CBS News as a syndicated feature. Scott is also a periodic contributor to the health section of the Philadelphia Inquirer. He lives in New Jersey with his beautiful wife and son, all of whom are avid Philadelphia Eagles fans. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Scott Glassman. Welcome, Scott. Moira, it's so wonderful to be with you today. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience about finding their best selves and and pathways to do that. I'm just really, really passionate about that area as a psychologist, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. That's been fantastic. I had part of my branding for now, oh, how many years? Uh, 18, I guess, or so. Um, I used to give out smiley balls, <laughs> and, and I gave them, my husband and I spoke on cruise lines for many years, and when we travel, I took smiley balls, little tiny bouncy smiley balls, like all over the world. And we gave them to ships, captains, pilots, you know, people along the way. I always ask the parents if we gave it to a child to, you know, because the safety element. Um, But that was the whole thing with a smiley ball, which I love on your book, you know, a happier you is that it's a big smile in yellow, you know, and uh, um, it just, it just fit in so much when I saw that. And I thought that is so perfect. And the thing about the smiley ball, I used to tell people, even if you turn it upside down, you still know it's a smile. (laughs) So So that fits in perfectly. Yeah. You know, and it speaks to the value of coming into contact with some object or element in in our environment, whether it could be a smiley ball, it could be a photograph, it could be Mm -hmm. um, something that was given to you as a precious gift, or it could be something that reminds you of a wonderful experience you had in the past uh, with family could be really anything. I think it's what that speaks to is when we extend our attention toward something with the goal of feeling better in some way or having a positive thought or advancing our lives in 
a meaningful direction. It's really the that intention and how it leads us to seek out, whether it's the smiley ball or whatever that other element of our environment is, to focus on and expand. And, and that's really uh, a large basis of a happier you and, um, and the positive psychology work that I've been involved with. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just sort of segue from that, and then I'll come back to some other questions. I have many questions for you here. <laughs> you know, in our society, and many times, and in families, you know, people focus on what's missing or what's wrong or we're not enough. You know, that not not enough syndrome. What's broken? How do we strengthen what you call the happiness muscle? Yeah, and you're pointing to um, the deficit mindset that mm. we can so easily fall into. We. I I believe in our society today, really susceptible to the negativity effect, which is that tendency to get absorbed into what's going wrong in our worlds. Uh, Who said what to me that didn't feel good? What is the latest family drama that I feel like I I need to vent to somebody else about? Um, And we get kind of trapped in, in those negative thinking, feeling, doing cycles that make it tough to emerge from. Um, Part of it comes from, I believe, an evolutionary sense that we're protecting ourselves or defending ourselves in some way by attending to threats in our environment, something that we need to guard ourselves against in order to experience safety or comfort. Um, But it's almost like uh, the analogy I'd like to use is the uh, smoke alarm going off when there's no smoke. So our alarm system is going haywire a bit when it comes to um, negative uh, experience internally and externally. And so to begin to work on the positivity reflex, to move outward intentionally toward what's going well in my life, what are some positive attributes about myself? What am I looking forward to, even if it's just in the next hour or the next 10 minutes? Though that type of shift um, is like getting into the gym to work out your uh, your attentional muscles so that they more automatically can break away from those negativity maelstroms and start to set a positive momentum in thinking, feeling, and doing. And it usually begins with that first question that you might ask yourself: What might be something? good here, both either within me or outside of me. And then going from there, because that really does shift the focus in in a quite uh, substantial way uh, in building positive upward spirals, as Barbara Fredrickson calls them. Uh, Barbara Fredrickson is a very uh, well-known researcher in the field of positive emotions and talks about how we can build on positive feelings and positive thinking um, as we move into those, in, uh, you know, those intentional um, frameworks. Are people that you've worked with, because, you know, I, I also talk about the downward spiral and the upward spiral. And, you know, if somebody's really deep in depression or they're anxious and they're, they, they don't know how to get out of that state, like they're stuck in it and they're, you know, they're, they're breathing and everything. Is, is that the message you would give them just to shift them? Even if I like that 10 minutes or 15 minutes, because that's the little chunk that somebody could take. Is that the advice you would give them? Like think of something like that you enjoy or a memory or that. Can, do you help people with that? Like doing that to do the upward spiral versus the downward? 
I think it would begin, um, especially if somebody is suffering and, you know, I've, I've had personal experience with severe clinical depression. Um, sometimes it seems very far away to be able to make that shift. Mm -hmm. So one of the, uh, strategies, um, I recommend is meeting that pain, that suffering, those negative thoughts, the rumination with compassion, with mm -hmm. a sense of, I'm not trying to change how I'm feeling right now or move away from it. I'm just meeting it with a deep sense of, uh, of love and, and acceptance. Um, and I think paradoxically, when we accept and we don't try to change our emotional state, where whatever it is, especially if it's negative, we then more quickly move into the possibility of seeing the silver lining or identifying in the next five minutes, maybe one thing that might make us feel a little bit better. Maybe it's getting out of bed if we've been in bed, feeling really depressed, or uh, maybe it's um, a, a simple uh, a thing like having a cup of tea, uh, making ourselves a cup of tea. And then that little decision leading to a whole successive chain of other positive decisions that generate at least feeling a little bit better, not necessarily the peak levels of uh, of joy and purpose in life, but just maybe shifting uh, the mood uh, barometer into a, a different level of um, possibility. Mm -hmm. I love that. I also love what you said there about you're not trying to change what's like the situation. Like if you're telling somebody who's depressed or, or anxious, and I have family members who have gone through this and also clients, you know, instead of accepting and just that love and compassion, you're saying, because you know, they don't want to hear like, oh, you're okay. You'll get through this or that. Right. Maybe, maybe they don't feel like they are going to get through it. And this is something, maybe it's habitual. Like they, you know, they just do what they can just to get by through the day. Yeah. Because it can come across as invalidating. Mm -hmm. um, and we need, um, there's a misunderstanding about positive psychology that it's encouraging us to set aside negative experience or turn away from it in a forceful way, in a way that labels it almost as uh, not as important or good or what we want in our life. But really what it is uh, looking for is a balance between negative experience and positive experience. And when our rumination, uh, we talk about clinical depression, anxiety disorders, other mental health uh, concerns, that part of life usually has some meaning and has something to teach us when it becomes too um, overwhelming, when it is so counterproductive, when mal it's maladaptive for us and we're just engaging in maybe harmful behaviors, limited self-care, when we're really struggling. It's at that point when we start to question the depth and the duration of not feeling good is when we might want to see, oh, maybe we can restore some balance through what positive psychology has to teach us. So it's not negating it. It's saying that we need to live more holistically and embrace all of what human experience is, the negative side and the positive side. Hmm. So you, you, we all know that, we don't all know, but we have the yin and yang energies within us, the male, the female. And this is this where you see the negative and the positive really important parts of being a human and our human growth and expansion because so I, I believe that's what we're about expanding my 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 dialogue is 
you know, the expansion into the universe and because at the growth and the personal healing and all the rest of it. It is an expansion. I, mm-hmm. And I love that you use that word. Um, it's an expansion that borders on and is self-transcendence. There is something wonderful when you get into a mindful state, um, when you're paying attention in the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally, in that particular kind of compassionate way that seems to um, give us a sense of something beyond ourselves, which is sacred, which is loving, which is powerful. Um, it's in those quietest moments that I think those doorways open to um, to the whole picture, right? And to the greater trajectory that our lives may be on. Mm-hmm. Think about the idea of personal mission and meaning. Creating meaning uh, is very important to me. Uh, it's important in week five of Happier You when I talk about uh, activities that are enjoyable and meaningful and how to boost levels of meaning. Um, it's asking ourselves the questions, what might this mean about me in a good way? What, how do I touch others in my life? You know, what are the sources of what I want to do while I'm here and, and what will that look like? So it's, it's kind of asking ourselves those questions and also having a sense that I can step back from my experience at any point. And I can kind of look at it as if I'm out, outside of it. I love that. But you don't have like t- any time restrictions in any of this. You know, this could be just each day again. I like this back to the 10 minutes or, you know, just to take that time to explore that. Like I have a passion for cooking. As long as my kitchen is all clean, <laughs> that's not my job. I, I love going in there and I'll, I'll be thinking in the morning, like, oh, what do I want to make today? Like today it's kind of chilly out. And I thought I want homemade tomato soup and a really nice know cheese sandwich or something so it's and that that brings me joy um but but, so what do you think of this first of all what why don't you define that's where i was going to start positive psychology for our listeners yeah so positive psychology is a field of study that focuses on flourishing and how we can live our best lives um how we can not only uh, live optimally but become more uh, more confident in our ability to uh, control um, the good things that we feel, think, and do. Um, so there's a, a kind of self-efficacy to it. Uh, and there's a sense that even if you're feeling okay, and as, as things are, like nothing is terribly wrong, you're not experiencing any depression or anxiety, that there are still higher levels of self uh, that we can reach. And that's what I love about positive psychology. It starts to look at from a scientific basis of how we can enhance, how we can grow beyond where we are, even if where we are is perfectly okay. Um, So it's almost like a flower blooming to its fullest possible color and its fullest possible height uh, in the world. Um, and and fullest expression. That's how I think of, and I write about this in the book as the flower philosophy that given the right conditions around us and positive psychology informs us as to what those conditions are, you know, gratitude, kindness, love, um, looking at a personal strengths, mindfulness, 
is like the soil, the sunlight, the water, the right temperature to allow uh, our natural and best selves to, to blossom, to flourish. And that can include realizing our personal mission, uh, can include finding strong, meaningful, loving, caring connections in the world. Uh, it can include so much identifying a, a goal that we might have. Maybe it's in business or maybe it's helping others and seeing a clear way to uh, to live out that value in, in our lives. Um, so not just status quo, becoming all that we could possibly be, seeing that full potential realized. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember growing up and I think still people, you know, when they ask that question, you know, not who you are, they ask, what do you do? <laughs> and I read something the other day that this gentleman was kind of perturbed by that question versus he was saying, you know, I'm so much more than what I do. You know, it's who I am. And uh, and this whole thing about also appreciating ourselves and and really honoring ourselves. You talk about when you talk about gratitude there and appreciation work, which are very high emotional states that can lead into more emotional, positive states. But you mentioned in your book, the word connective gratitude, and I haven't read that before. What What is that for you? Connective versus just gratitude? Yeah, connective gratitude is that act of whether it, it could even be internal, fully internalized, but the feeling of appreciation, which then leads you to feel more uh, bonded, connected, or wanting to have connection with other people. Um, so writing a letter of, of thanks to uh, a teacher, a great teacher, a mentor who has helped you in your life, and then sharing that letter with the teacher, sending it to him or her, or reading it to them um, as a way of feeling closer, feeling it kind of crystallizing the meaning of what who that person was in your life is bringing you closer, right? It's bringing you into a sense of community, uh, a sense of, uh, it's really underlying a sense of love within that um, versus more of like obligatory gratitude, like the verbal uh, expression of thanks for something that you've received because it's, you know, maybe it's just the norm to say that or um, the expression of uh, gratitude with self-interest in mind, which can be, uh, you know, can be a part of the human experience. Um, but connective gratitude is really, there's something very selfless about it. And there's something very deeply loving and caring about it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's beautiful. And when you talk about here, this model of acceptance, you know, kindness, compassion, as a new way really to model that, to relate to others. How, what would your advice be to, again, in the listeners today with, you know, we're bombarded by many streams of negativity on the news, you know, maybe it's in your community, and we're kind of in a time of uncertainty. And a lot of people don't like that and division versus unity consciousness, because again, this show and what I'm about is to is about raising the vibration and the consciousness of each other to heal humanity and the planet. What, when you speak to people, what is your message around that for people who just, they don't know, they don't know how to handle that, all that negativity coming at them. And they, they don't realize that they can make a choice or, you know, what let's, let's do an exercise. You have so many great exercises. So that's first, what do you do for that? What exercise would you like to do around that to help people? 
Yeah, and that's a really important question. We've never seen a time in our history, I think, where we have been so divided and Mm -hmm. so alienated from one another. And the pandemic and the isolation and mental health struggles that the pandemic has brought on have not helped us in in that regard um, either. So I think a good place to begin to, as you talk about it, foster unity consciousness begins with the practice of mindfulness. Um, But mindfulness from the perspective of first, and I talk about happier you as being a program of transformation from the inside out, Mm -hmm. looking at the relationship that we have with ourselves. Is there something that we are resisting within ourselves or that we don't accept about ourselves or that we are unhappy about, which then translates to looking for the negative story looking for ways to be in opposition with somebody else because you're maybe not feeling good about who you are. So self-love at a, at a deep level begins and finding that love begins by turning inward and bringing compassion, warmth, and a sense of being present non-judgmentally in a caring way with whatever is arising in our in our experience. So that I would say, Moira, is the first step. It's changing the relationship we have with ourselves because you probably know, like when when, when you don't feel good, it's hard to be connected with others. You know, it's mm-hmm. hard to be there for other people and to feel a sense of community. Um, so if we begin within ourselves that way, that would be a first step. The second step to really foster unity consciousness, and we can come back to the an exercise around Uh, mindfulness and um, moving toward that consciousness. But the second step would be realizing what Kristen Neff, who's a very well-known researcher in the area of self-compassion calls common humanity. And what Kristen is referring to is this idea that it's a knowledge and awareness that we all suffer, that nobody is saved from the pains uh, and the hurricanes of life. Um, We all go through it. We all experience loss, sadness, frustration, anger, envy. It's part of the human condition. We're not alone. Once we have that more in our awareness, along with mindfulness, we then begin to see that I'm not so separate. I'm not so different from somebody who may have a, a very different political view Uh, in life or may come from a very different background, there is a commonality that we become conscious of that I think invigorates uh, the love that we all have residing within us. I think we're born with love. We're born out of love. And so it's kind of rediscovering that through mindfulness, a sense of common humanity. And the next aspect of what Neff talks about is self-kindness. So are we able to uh, not criticize ourselves? Are we able to see what happens to us in the most compassionate light. Um, so, so that's kind of where I would begin. It's, it's, a, it's an important question. Um, and I think it takes uh, some quiet time. It takes some looking inward at self and, and getting to know yourself. If you're you know, an extrovert, very externally focused in the world, sometimes we kind of lose touch with our, our, our core identity. Um, and the book, I help through a number of writing exercises of ways that you can reestablish um, or establish a core sense of what's meaningful for you. What are your values? 
what makes you feel good, what are your personal strengths as a way of solidifying a base that you can then build community and feel a part of a, of a community in ways that you may never have felt before. Thank you. I, I, I think of like communities that are new than when I was growing up, like the LGBTQ community where, where young people or maybe older people, like they're, they're discovering more who they are, how they feel comfortable, but they don't know how to go about it. I, I like this idea of this kindness exercise to begin to really discover at a deeper level what they love to do, you know, just really have that dialogue and just, again, allow to dis- discover who they are at a core and at a core, I believe, like you say, that we're, we're, we're love, <laughs> that's, you know, and this human condition, because um, that's a community that um, is important to me. Um, and I've had guests on also discuss that to have that compassion and kindness and realize that we're, we're all human beings, you know, um, spiritual beings in a human body. Do you work with that community? Um, I, I don't work directly with that community, um, yeah. but it's really wonderful that you're pointing out our need for our, uh, you know, having others around us who understand where we're coming from, you know, whatever that community is. So people that we feel like we can relate to, who will encourage us, who will see our best selves uh, and, and really nurture that. Um, so a lot of, you know, when we, uh, started a happier you. We envisioned it as this idea of a a community forming of people who didn't know one another from different backgrounds, but bonding over the shared wonderful experiences of life. That was sharing something that they enjoyed as a as a point of finding commonality, finding support, and valuing um, in that social context. So the inside out transformation happening simultaneous to being in a supportive group that is asking you, you know, what did you, you know, what made you feel good today? What's one of your strengths? Uh, you know, tell me about a time when you felt thankful for something, all of that, if it happens in the social context, one thing that the research shows us is that there's a social spark, a social spread of positive experience that when you become happy, uh, somebody in your proximity has a 25% greater likelihood of becoming happy. So there is that that social networking um, aspect of positive experience that's really important to how I think about happiness. So I'm so glad that you you brought that up and the importance of advocacy, support, care, love, and non judgment. You know, I think all of those are you, you know uh, synergistic. You know, as we think about well being as a, as a whole. Mm-hmm. And and I know that you also, uh, that ties into, you know, the research that you just said about character strengths and how, when we begin to focus on that and use our top strengths, because each one of us has certain strengths in new ways, it does connect us to greater happiness and increased resilience. Um, and then when, you know, difficulties come up, we are able to deal with it in um, a healthier, uh, better way. That's right. Because, uh, you know, when we, when we face stresses, challenges in life, losses. And, you know, my gosh, the pandemic has been, you know, uh, traumatic for so many people. Um, talk about one of the, the biggest challenges that we've had to face as, uh, you know, as a, as a society, as a global society. Um, real opportunity to discover uh, our 
inner strengths, what we excel at and build those strengths. Quite honestly, when we're put to the test, we can either look at the, you know, the frustration or the sadness or the negative side of, you know, the adversity, or we can look at how we are growing through it. There's a concept called post-traumatic growth uh, that when frontline healthcare workers uh, were studied, uh, researchers found that um, those workers who reported the highest levels of post-traumatic growth over six, seven months through the pandemic were more likely to report a deeper appreciation of life, um, were more likely to report seeing strengths uh, in themselves and others. So um, it's it's really, uh, it's an important topic. And I'd love to get back to, um, you asked about an exercise that would help us, uh, you know, kind of reinvigorate or, or discover unity consciousness mm. um, and, you know, help us, you know, maybe set aside some of that isolative division-based um, consciousness. Um, would you want to go back to that? Oh, for sure. Uh, again, in this book, and I really uh, recommend people to go and get a happier you and it's going to be below the links to reach Scott and you'll hear the lovely gift he's giving you along with his book because it's full jam-packed of beautiful exercises so yes let's do that let's dive in yeah so this is an exercise um, called the step ladder of gratitude um, and it's in week three of uh, of a happier you in the book and also in the program and it begins with an invitation to focus on the movements of your breath. So just noticing your breath moving into your body and moving out of your body without needing it to do anything different from what it's already doing. And now seeing if you can direct feelings of thankfulness and appreciation toward the power of breathing. Recognizing all the gifts that breathing provides for you in your life. How it makes everything else possible. Feeling almost a fullness with each breath in. knowing that this is a wisdom of the body. Now inviting you to consider a basic need that's been met for you. Perhaps that's clothing, clean water or air, shelter, belongingness, and seeing if you can direct feelings and thoughts of thankfulness toward that basic need being fulfilled. And the sources in the world that have fulfilled that need.
And now as we move up this ladder of gratitude, identifying something in your body and something in your physical being that you feel grateful for. It could be the breath, but it also could be the beating of your heart, your ability to walk, see, hear, taste, smell. Allowing the fullness of a sense of appreciation to rest in that one aspect of your physical being. And now considering an action that you took that you feel thankful for. Perhaps it was the decision to take a walk today or eat a healthy breakfast or lunch or call someone you haven't spoken to in a while, call a friend and connect with them. Focusing your appreciation and all of the wisdom and good heartedness that came into the intention to take that action. And feeling as best as you can, deeply thankful for that step. And now bringing your attention to rest on someone in your life that you feel thankful for. It could be a partner, child, parent, friend, colleague, or an acquaintance. Someone who has been a gift to you in some way. Bringing them to mind as as vividly as possible. Even perhaps visualizing, sending those thoughts of thankfulness, those feelings of gratitude toward that person. And feeling filled at the same time with the gifts that they have bestowed upon you. And now as we move up the ladder, cultivating a sense of appreciation for something that's happened for you. Maybe it's a promotion that you received at work or good news about your health or meeting someone special in your life unexpectedly. or discovering a new hobby. Whatever that event was, 
allowing yourself to feel filled with a sense of awe and appreciation for how that event arose at perhaps just the right time for you. As if it were the universe saying yes to you. I value you. I care for you. I want you to succeed. And in the last step of this ladder of gratitude, bringing appreciation into the broader context of your life, into the broader world, sending thoughts of thankfulness and feelings of gratefulness to a group perhaps that you're a part of, a community. Maybe it's your neighborhood, a church group. It could even be the entire state that you're living in, the entire country. Could be nature or God. And sending thoughts and feelings of thankfulness toward that broader entity, knowing that it sustains you just as much as everything else on that ladder. Your breath, your basic needs being met, your physical being and action you took, someone special in your life, an event that happened for you. All of it wrapped together, cohesive, and central to your best possible self. And now sitting back and opening your eyes, if your eyes were closed during that exercise, just allowing yourself to see where you are and noticing whatever state of mind or emotional state you might be experiencing and bringing acceptance and welcoming to that place. So that Moira is, uh, is the stepladder exercise, which I just love so much. And um, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to share that with your listeners. Mm. So beautiful. I found during it, it just brings you so present into the present moment as you guided us through that. Yeah, it's, it, it really is rooted in mindful awareness and the particular stance toward experience, which John Kabat-Zinn and others who teach mindfulness have translated it uh, in, in the Eastern, from the Eastern understanding into Western culture. Um, really begins with being in the here and now. Although uh, there are elements to that exercise I love of being able to look backward. Maybe the person that you're feeling grateful for is has passed on, uh, or maybe the event which happened was also in the past, or maybe something you're thankful for in the broader world uh, is opportunities that you see down the road, new job opportunities or 
new opportunities for relationships or self uh, self growth. That's that uh, information. What you just shared, additionally to it, is going to be so helpful for my community here, this community, because yeah, some people are at crossroads in their life, or they they're not happy with themselves, or they don't know where they want to go, and just just to bring them into that, so it's going to be wonderful. So thank you so much for leading us through that. And your voice is very calming. No, <laughs> oh, thank you. You know, I, there was a movie, I don't know the whole title, I think it was What the Bleep. I don't know if it was What the Bleep Down the Rabbit Hole. Um, and it, which they talk about this, how we see through our lens, let it be that our soul, you know, our bigger spiritual self. And they talk about the inner observer, which you talk about, and how to, you know, build a greater awareness of what's happening in our mind. Can you expand on that? Yes. Uh, the inner observer. Um, really it begins with being able to step out of the stream of experience and mm. to uh, look at what's happening without being wrapped up in the story of what's happening. Mm. Uh, and it, it can often begin with where we began in that exercise with the mindfulness uh, of breath, right? And, or just, it can be any kind of sensory object of experience it could be that squeezy ball, uh, with that smiley squeezy ball that you're holding and you feel the pressure of it in your hand. And maybe that's the focus, that non-judgmental here and now focus that begins to help you step out of all of the, the forest of our thoughts, right? Our thoughts can be like a forest that we're wandering through that we're kind of a little bit lost in um, and not being able to separate the idea of a thought from actually what's happening, the reality of what's happening. And there, it's, a, it's a judgment, it's a perception. So I think anytime we can get in touch with our sensory self, it begins to foster that separation. That's the first step. And in the book, I offer other ways that we then can nurture the observer self in a way that's a little bit maybe additionally directive. So what I mean by that is Let's say you're uh, what, what Moira. What's something that you'd like to eat? Like, what's um, what's a favorite food of yours? Uh, oh, I like so much. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just say chicken. Chicken. Okay. So, um, imagine yourself uh, eating a wonderful chicken dish, and as you're eating that dish, you're asking yourself some questions about uh, about that wonderful dish what good feelings are coming up for you as you take each delicious bite? Um, what does having made that dish mean about you uh, or your connections with others if you're sharing that, uh, that dish with somebody at that moment? Does that dish and eating that chicken at that moment remind you of any other past good moments, other good meals, other good times of, you know, whether it's you know, having that solitary experience of savoring it or sharing that moment with others? How does this connect it in a good way with your past? How does that moment uh, of delight broaden and brighten the world when you look ahead? Does it make you more excited about making that dish again or trying other new foods or, um, you know, sharing it with somebody who may never have tasted it before? What kind of actions might you feel encouraged to take because you're really appreciating uh, that that food in, in that moment? You know, could it lead you to 
you know, cooking something else that day or, you know, going to the gym um, because, you know, perhaps you made it in a very healthy way. And that really represents your value of uh, physical well-being and emotional well-being. So you start to take some steps to reinforce that later in the day or the next day even. So it's questions like that. So those, mm. are, those are examples of deep dive questions that when we become, you start to become more intentional about your observations, you can find a lot more with the answers to the questions of what's happening in a good way. And there's a fuller emotional experience that usually comes out of that. I love those questions. <laughs> I, I stayed with chicken, but then I went to Turkey because of Christmas coming up and, yeah. and we're in this new home, as I said, in Nova Scotia, and we don't have a dining room now. We went to a smaller home, but larger outside property. So with the lake and the, the, the land around us, um, we, we're come up, we feel, my husband and I, Cliff, we feel like we're sort of um, living on a boat. It's, it's everything's smaller, not the kitchen, the kitchen's my kitchen. So it's, it's big, but like the bathroom and the little closet and everything sort of walk in. It's like a luxurious sailboat. <laughs> um, with that being said, um, you know, so we, we, we didn't do Thanksgiving because um, my, my mom, she doesn't have her chairlift to come upstairs yet. And so I'm looking forward to that. So I, I was wondering as you were doing it and I was having fun with it, and you know, just fun, playfulness. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, no, and oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. no, 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 no. You said playfulness. It just sparked the other um, aspect that can come out of these deep dives, which is lightness and humor in life and playfulness and getting back into child's mind. Um, that's a big focus of uh, a happier you and the, the book and the program. So I just, I resonated with that right away. I didn't mean to cut you off and jump. Oh, in. Yeah. I just, yeah, I felt like that was like, Ooh, that's, that seemed really significant for you. Yes. And you, you talk about the, as I do, curiosity, love, hope, you know, all, and that playfulness tying in with our life satisfaction and, and maybe like you're saying, stacking more moments like that, let it be, it's one per day or whatever that is. And I also love that. I, I'm going to tell you what we've been doing that we, you talked about, you liked funny movies growing up and comedians and that uh, you like Steve Martin and Monty Python. And that skit came right to me, you know, always look on the bright side of life, <laughs> always look on the light yeah. side of life, you know, yeah. and, and the benefits you dived into the humor and laughter. And, you know, literally when we, you know, feel challenged in that, that's why, who was it? The person with the, the nose, that movie were to focus on for healing, humor and funny movies, not heavy things, things that make you laugh or love stories if they're love stories you like but yeah so my husband and I we, we went and looked at the video <laughs> with um you know Paulin I think and so many years ago he was so young so all all the last few days we couldn't get that song out of our mind we've been humming it every day da, 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 da. <laughs> always look on the right. so, and, so and, that's and, it it's there yeah, that's it that's right because you're you're carrying what I love about that is you're carrying the lightness with you into future moments of your day. Like even just thinking about the, uh, the, the Monty Python music is bringing, <laughs> is bringing you up. It's, it's increasing the frequency, right. <laughs> and, and just kind of driving other positive emotional states, you know, and you have to, you have to smile and laugh at that. Cause it's just, yeah. you know, there, they are all on the cross, you know, and, and the words are just amazing. You know, life can sometimes not be so happy, but there was other words they use, but, and you call that exercise catching, uh, lightning. Is that what you call that? Where, you know, funny moments, 
in small things in life and focusing on that more. Is that the term yeah, that we you get use? Catch, it's really like catching lightness. Yeah. Lightness. Like, yeah. Yeah. Catching that lightness. I mean, Not lightning. Really, yeah. <laughs> well, it is, it can hit you like lightning because it can be such a jarring shift right into, uh, you know, when we laugh, we just, I feel like it's, you know, we're uh, at play with the gods, you know, when we laugh, there's something divine and uh, at, at a peak level of experience when, when you're just, that belly laughter, right? Enjoying something that funny with somebody. Yeah. I, f- I find too recently that I, I've just started doing it. I don't even know where it came from, where I'm doing a play on words. You know, I'll say a cup of tea, a tea, a cup, or, you know, I'll just play with things. And yeah. I'm sort of like observing myself saying it like, I'm, you know, like, where's that coming from? But I like mm-hmm. it. it. It's, I don't know where it's coming through and what's it coming from, but it's, it's, it's a positive emotion. We'll say that for sure. This finding the metal. Now, does that tie in with this nurturing the observer, that that exercise you have on acceptance in that? Yeah, it, it does. Um, because when, especially if you're suffering, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it can just be about, can I be compassionate with myself in this moment? Can I just be gentle to myself? Um, I, experienced a car accident in 2004. It left me in uh, some pretty significant back pain uh, that was pretty debilitating for me. And I really thought at that time that, you know, my life really would never be the same. I was newly married and felt like it would be um, an extraordinary barrier to, uh, to my marriage and to a lot of other things that were positive things that had been happening. And I discovered mindfulness around that time and um, began to practice uh, this idea of bringing uh, warmth, uh, understanding, and acceptance to pain, and actually physically practicing that by placing my hand uh, at the small of my back where my pain was most intense, and just not trying to change change the pain or push it away, which I had been doing um, pretty <laughs> consistently up until that point with to you know not with good results. And as soon as I shifted into a mode where I was just saying to myself, it's okay that this, this part of my body is suffering. It's okay that this is here um, because it is here. Um, and just allowing the warmth of kindness and, and care and concern to be at that, that spot in my body caused such a immediate shift of a dampening of the severity of the pain, uh, a more positive uh, sense about uh, about myself, about my immediate surroundings, about what's possible as that pain subsided a bit. Now, certainly didn't make it go away completely, but it did change my relationship to uh, to the pain. And that's what I mean when I say finding the meadow. You know, if you can find amidst the dark trees of your negative thoughts and negative physical experiences, if you can look for that place of coming to an understanding and being okay. Um, doesn't mean that you're condoning the continuation of that suffering. It it just means that you're not trying to push it away, deny or minimize it. Mm. So I think that can be really powerful. Mm. Wonderful advice again, because like you're saying, if you're pushing it away or not accepting or pretending it's not there and maybe going through a few days that you can do that, but then it pops up again. <laughs> like yeah. there, there it is in front of you. It'll you know? keep coming back. Right. Exactly. Exactly. To, to remind you saying, you know, I haven't quite gotten the, the level of uh, 
nurturing and appreciation with which even pain does it it needs a kind of acknowledgement that it is you know is something there's something in it to teach us yes yeah i have a belief that in every circumstance there is a gift so one of parts of my second book which i'm still finishing my first book scott so but my second book in the series is what is the gift in this and it's the learning in everything in our life as looking at through those lens of that perception that there is a gift in everything we don't might not see it at the moment what that is and again your message about not pushing things away and just allowing and compassion and acceptance i i just i just love it all these exercises that you've like you have one called streaming catching spotlighting kindling there's so many people have to again i invite you to go you know read this book because there's so many exercises and follows you know scott and, you know, and the kindness exercise and that. Did you create these as you went through um, people like students and as you lectured and in your own life? Is that how you created all these different processes of that? Yeah, a combination of mm-hmm. the work that we're doing in, uh, in the group uh, version of the program, as well as uh, personal exercises and moving through each of these uh, doorways or, or or portals into positive experience, and and using um, cognitive behavioral um, knowledge and approaches as as a base to that. Because I was trained as a cognitive behavioral psychologist, so I really that's how I understand well being. Um, and so when we're writing down a list, let's say of sources of humor, so you can have a differentiated way of seeing your playful side of yourself in a way that gives you more control over being able to say schedule watching your favorite comedian or playing your favorite board game it's writing it down it's it's looking at your thoughts and how you're asking yourself uh, questions that prompts these transformative emotional experiences um, that then lead to uh, actions with that can be very uh, healthy and support overall well-being and life satisfaction so um, so yeah, so it's it's really a, a blend, uh, and um, just so I'm so grateful to be able to offer a menu of items. Uh, I don't know that every single exercise in a happier you is going to be right for every person. I don't expect that, but as you go through the book, you may choose off the menu. Well, maybe there's this one gratitude exercise in week three that I really like, and then there's that widening the reach of love exercise in week seven, and then oh yeah, those you know, be making a list of my personal strengths and then scheduling meetups with my strengths. Those are the three exercises that really help me that really are sufficient to, uh, to bring me to the next level of, um, you know, of, of, of who I am in my life and in, in a positive way. And whether that's stronger relationships and more success uh, at your job or uh, in other areas, just experiencing that fruition based on your choice the reader's choice, of what's going to work best for him or her. And, and that's what makes me the happiest that I can just kind of like create the buffet mm-hmm. and then invite, uh, invite our family, uh, larger community, global community to come to the buffet and to pick off what, you know, uh, pick out what, what they think uh, would be best for them and to try, try different exercises. Mm-hmm. You say in here, in the uh, at the very beginning, how to use the book, it requires patience, persistence, and a willingness to try new things. 
and you you suggest setting aside 15 to 30 minutes a day for the seven-week program. But one of the other things you say, which really came out again with a lot of things you shared today, your wisdom on, you know, be kind to yourself going through the book. Like, you know, you, you don't have to do it all at once, or maybe maybe you just do this part and, hey, that's enough. And, you know, and then you come back when it's right for you. Um, so you don't have this pressure on yourself that, again, maybe all this dialogue, I'm doing it wrong or I'm doing it slow or all that that's right. stuff. Yeah, that the critic, the, the, critic. the stuff that the critic likes. Yeah. 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 You know, when I when I did psychology in school, because that's my degree, they didn't have positive psychology. I know that I would have really enjoyed training in that area because it's it's so important, not only right now, as we're saying with chaos and uncertainty in the world and what the challenges are happening and the divide and all the rest of it, but for people to really come back to that, that you talked about the inner outer and loving our, it starts with self-love too, like to accept yeah. ourselves and realize that each one of us in coming together globally, we can make a difference with our choices. We, we can create this unity consciousness and this higher vibration of love. Um, that's just to me so powerful. There's Scott, a ripple effect. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Scott, this has been such a joy. And I know you have this very unique gift and a private gift link for this, our listeners. Can you explain just what that is? And again, as I said earlier, it's going to be below the episode, how to purchase Scott's book and you know, your gift link, and also how to get in contact with Scott, find out more about his work and become part of his community. Yeah. So the gift is a 90 minute uh, access to a 90 minute workshop um, that um, was was recorded with a sampling of exercises uh, throughout the uh, seven weeks of the program. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm so glad to be able to share that with you. And mm-hmm. um, I would invite your listeners too to, to reach out to me if you have questions mm-hmm. about any of the exercises or the book. Um, you know, my email address is hello at scottglassman.com. So I invite dialogue. I want to meet people. I'm really open on Instagram uh, for uh, DMs and or you can reach out to me through my website. So I, I really want to connect uh, with with you and get to know you and, and help you as much as possible along your journey. Cause I know how challenging <laughs> it can be. And, you know, we, we all need voices of support in the wilderness. And I think it's been such a gift to be able to be a voice. Mm-hmm. And as we said also earlier, when we were talking before uh, we started this conversation for the listeners that, I'm all about collaboration and contribution and community. So, and I love your invitation. That sounds with hello, <laughs> you know, because I also have that on my side, hello discovery call, but I really liked how you said it. And definitely we will be keeping in touch because we have the same message to reach people. And so thank you for that. And I want to say to the listeners today, if you enjoyed this episode with Scott, you know, I'd love you to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss any future heartfelt conversations as we had today and become part of this global community, you know, living your best life on your terms. Scott, thank you for sharing from your heart and soul, your divine wisdom on how to kickstart your positivity for a happier life. Namaste. Namaste, Moira. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Heart Soul Wisdom Podcast with Moira Sutton. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please join our community at moirasutton.com and continue the discussion on our Facebook page, Create the Life You Love.
you will be part of a global movement connecting with other heart-centered people who are consciously creating the life they love on their own terms. Together, we can raise our consciousness for the greater good of humanity and for our planet.